Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So today, First Advent is about hope and faith. And today I also want to talk about reclaiming our angel's wings and talk a little bit about what that actually means. What we're also going to do for the first time, I believe, in a long time or ever, is we're coordinating with the youth and family ministry our stories. So the stories I'm going to talk about today is the exact same story that the youth and family ministry will teach to the children and our teenagers so that our families have an opportunity to talk at home. But you also have an opportunity when you interact with the children in Fellowship Hall and, and see what they glean from the same story. So we'll do this for this Advent season and see how it works, and then we'll hopefully find a, a good way of doing it. I think it will be a lot of fun. Not working. There you go. Nope, not working. Not sure if you guys need to do something on the tech team or what's happening. Okay, looks like it's not working. We're going to plan B. There you go. So, Advent is a time of, a time of preparation. There's actually um, three definitions that we can find in a dictionary. One is, an Advent uh, talks about the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And when we are specific to Christian theology, then it's the coming or the second coming of Christ. Then, of course, it's the time of preparation for the nativity or the birth of Jesus Christ as well. There's the fourth definition that we add metaphysically. Metaphysically, what Advent means is preparing ourselves to allow our divine perfection to unfold and to be expressed. And so that's what we're doing over the next four Sundays. The four Advents are going to be focused on different themes. Today it's hope and faith. And we're focusing on preparing ourselves to be able to express that divine potential a little bit better. I'm so attached to this clicker, I want it to work. <laughs> there you go. But let's, let's first talk about what the birth of Christ actually means, metaphysically speaking, or when we take it away from the story and internalize it to see what can we do with that for our own spiritual growth. The birth of Christ is both immaculate, but also accept, accessible. And that's something that a lot of people find um, surprising. The Immaculate, we all learn, right? Immaculate conception, without sin. 
But then how is this accessible to us? That's when we often are taught it's not. We will never be like Jesus Christ. We will never be like any of the prophets. We will never be, we are told, good because we're full of sin. We don't believe that way. We are immaculate. And we are Christ. So when we talk about Christ, we need to understand a couple of things. In unity, we say Christ doesn't, isn't Jesus' last name. It's a representing consciousness, divine consciousness. It's when we are at our highest possible, when we are so in absolute perfection and in such joy that nothing matters in terms of our limitations. We still have limitations. We still have pay bills to pay. We still have our arguments. But in that moment of divine perfection, we are in complete acceptance of it. We're no longer fighting it. We don't think anything is wrong with it. We don't want to change it. We just are. That's to be in divine consciousness. Christ also means it is a divine idea. In unity in metaphysics, we say Christ is the divine idea, the absolute idea of all ideas. It encompasses all perfections, all perfect ideas that we can possibly imagine. Nothing can be separate from Christ. In essence, Christ is an expression of God, equal, and we are that. So then Jesus represents the person who lived among the people. He was a real person. Um, you know, Christians obviously believe it, but even Jewish scholars around the 100 Common Era, they confirmed that there was a person called Jesus or Christos that was titled Christos, who was crucified in Asia Minor, that's confirmed through some of the even Jewish writings, who had no interest in promoting Christianity. But when we talk about Jesus, we talk about just a person who lived, person in flesh, whether he was a carpenter or a rabbi and where he walked doesn't matter, it's just a, a, a real person, right? But then when we add Christ, again, Christos, Christos, Christ, is like that title, but in unity we take it a step further. It's the consciousness he represented. Then it's the person who gradually expressed his divine potential. And I use the word gradually because a lot of people don't understand that Jesus himself, when he started his ministry at around 30 years old, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, and his one to three year ministry started, during that time, he was still evolving. The traditional idea is he was born, he was perfect, that's it. But if we have that image of Jesus Christ, then we will never be able to relate to him, right? Because who believes about themselves? We are born, we are perfect, that's it. Probably none of us, if we are truly honest, right? 
So we have to have someone who is relatable. We have to have someone who is relatable in that sense that there is evolution going on, that even though someone is already at the very high stage, they still have to grow, they still have to learn. We see in the stories uh, about Jesus in the gospel, we see that he got angry with the disciples once in a while. He got angry with the merchants outside of the temple. We may justify that, but still, you know, there's some emotions that we usually see as negative that went through him, and you could argue for and against that he still had stuff to learn. So Jesus Christ, the person that is expressing that Christ consciousness and continues to gradually evolve. Very important. And now we flip it. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, when we put Christ first, which is another way of saying we're putting God first. We're putting our divinity first. Before we do anything, before we light a candle, before we open a door, before we say hello to each other, the first thing that comes to mind is God and our own divinity. That's when it changes. That's when the person fully realizes the divine potential most of the time. I like to add that, like 20 years ago, I would have gone 100% of the time but over the years, I kind of like realized, that's just impossible, right? I'm doing just the same thing like what we do in traditional Christianity and in so many other religions, where we have this ideal of perfection, and we will never be able to reach it because, and then we have this cliff between what is ideal and what we are, and we give up. But when we have something relatable like Christ Jesus is Jesus, the person who then realized his full potential, which you can see at around when he ascended. That's one of the symbols that we know from Acts. In his ascension, that was his full realization. You could also say when he was crucified and then he was resurrected, that that's a sign of ascension or that's a sign of full potential most of the time. So we get to make mistakes. Isn't that awesome? I like that. Makes it a lot easier for me. Because otherwise, how many mistakes do we make every single day? Right? It will be absolutely mind-boggling and just not possible. So that's important to understand when we, when we want to understand what it means to prepare ourselves for the birth of Christ. We're preparing, of course, because we live in a Christ, mostly Christian country. We have Christmas season. We're preparing, of course, for the story and for the beauty around it and for the ceremony around it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we're also preparing ourselves to have that Christ be born within ourselves to have that image of divine potential to be born, not in someone else who lived 2,000 years ago, not in someone else around us, but in us. This is an image that I 
found that talks about spiritual evolution. It uses human evolution, right? <clears throat> From the very early stages into the man. And then we kind of think of it as stopping, right? With a human man, and that's it. Human man and woman, that's it. We're not going anywhere. But in this illustration, it goes a step further. It actually shows the ascended person. It shows the person that's fully awakened. You see the chakras represented, they're fully aligned. You see the lotus flower represented, a thousand leaves of lotus, which is a huge symbolism in Hinduism and Buddhism. So you, he, you see all that. That's our evolution. Now, <laughs> you pick yourself where you want to be on this chart right now. <laughs> Sometimes, unfortunately, I'm all the way on the left there, and I, think I behave like an ape, right? But sometimes I'm also all the way to the right, and I feel whole. The beauty is, it's a stage that is gradually happening, but can also go in and out all the time. And I put on the bottom there, you know, those important milestones, what we learn about Jesus Christ's story. We have birth. Christmas, right? Birth of Christ. Then we have crucifixion, Good Friday. We have resurrection, Easter Sunday. And then a few weeks later, we have ascension. Okay? These are all important milestones on our spiritual journey. And I put it on a graph that looks very linear, right? And I highlighted the part where we're in right now. We're preparing ourselves for that birth. And it seems like we have to work really hard to get the birth done, and then we get some recovery time, and then the next thing and then is crucifixion, which is a little bit scary, and then fortunately we get to be resurrected and finally get to ascension. But the, the problem is, if we think in these ways, we trip ourselves up. We cannot think linearly when it comes to our spirituality. So instead, we need to think circularly. We need to think in circles. Okay? Where the birth and the crucifixion, the resurrection, and even the ascension, and I put in parentheses what ascension could mean, the awakening process is happening all the time. It's happening right now. Right now, any one of us could have an epiphany. Could say, I finally got it and the struggle is over. That could be seen as the birth. Right now, any one of us can say, I'm done with this. I don't have to beat myself up anymore. I no longer have to see myself as small and insignificant. I am crucifying that which is no longer true. Any one of us right now can lift ourselves up into something more beautiful. We can let go, crucify what is no longer true, and we can resurrect ourselves to what is. Spiritual evolution. And that, essentially, as we practice this more and more and we become more conscious of it, that's a sign of awakening. But that awakening is not happening just one time. That awakening is happening 
all the time if we choose to see it and to practice it. So as we move toward the birth of Christ, we have to have that realization. We, we have that juxtaposition between, okay, we have Christmas coming up, we have four Advents, there's lots of stuff to do, lots of stuff to eat, lots of stuff to give away and to receive, right? But then we also have the spiritual side that is a constant reminder of a process that we celebrate through the entire year from Christmas to Easter and beyond. So then we have the preparation period, right? And ideally, when we are preparing ourselves, we need to find a place of silence and peace and rest because if we keep running around, we don't give ourselves usually the time to do that. And how can we prepare for anything if we keep running around and do all the things we believe we ought to do? We must take time to prepare. It's a very important reminder, right? I find it so interesting that Christmas, spiritually speaking, is a time of slowing down and of getting rest and to go inward and to learn and to grow. What are we doing in the real world? We're doing the exact opposite, right? Good Friday, one example. Cyber Monday, another example, and many more examples until we think, well, until we're done with the Christmas season. So the other thing we can say is once we enter this cycle, this endless cycle, that's when we can talk about the first coming. The first coming of Christ, one way of interpreting it, not the only way, but the one way of interpreting it, the, the birth of Christ, is when we first realize that we have the ability to control all that. When we first realize that we have something like a divine potential within us, and we're not just this mundane human existence that is born and then eventually dies, and that's it. We're much more than that. That's kind of a representation of the first coming of Jesus and then Jesus Christ. And then while we're in that cycle, birth, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, that's kind of like our earthly work, right? That's what's represented in earth. And then in the Eastern philosophies, Buddhism, Hinduism, and more of the Eastern thing that talk about this cycle much more prominently than we do here in the West, that's called samsara. Samsara is the birth and rebirth cycle that according to Buddhist and Hindu beliefs, we are kind of like stuck in. And then we have what's coming after. So we can actually then say, well, we can break free from that cycle through ascension, when eventually we can say, now it's the second coming of Christ, or heaven, or nirvana, or moksha. So as we are preparing ourselves, it is helpful to understand what we're actually doing. And we're actually doing this all day long, whether we are conscious of it or not. The powers that we have, the power of thought and feeling, works for or against us. 
every single moment in our lives. If we look at our days, and we have days that are filled with worries and fears and concerns and anger, that affects our spiritual growth. If we learn to fill instead our days with gratitude and love and kindness and community and reaching out and giving and serving, that will also affect us. And we all probably have a good idea in which way it will. But it's very common in many religions and spiritual ideas to see it that way, to see it as a circle experience. And eventually, we may leave it. Who knows? But while we're here, we're playing with this circle of life. So then we can say, if we go back to Advent, Advent is a time of preparation for the birth of our own divinity, which we call Christ. That's what we're doing, right? That's what we're doing today. And we're also saying it's an evolution of our spirituality. We're preparing us consciously, ourselves consciously, for evolving the evolution of who and what we are. Oh, there you go. So now we get to work with the story. Now we have the foundation of what Christ means, what it looks like when we evolve spiritually, and now we can look at the story that the children will look at today as well. Jesus Christ, Jesus, the birth of Jesus foretold. That's the title of the story. And we have in this story one important scene. There's lots of information in the story, but the major important scene to remember is when angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told Mother Mary, you're going to have a child, and that child is going to be the king of all Jews, it's going to be the son of God, it's going to be awesome, right? And Mary at that point was still a virgin and kind of fought the idea but eventually surrendered to it. She was also told to call Jesus, Jesus. She was given the name by Gabriel and she eventually gave him that name. But that's really the major story here. And I want to go back to the title, Reclaiming Our Angel's Wings. And on one hand, I wished I brought a little bell. Does everyone know what happens when we ring a bell? <laughs> yeah. And I like that as an actual spiritual practice, right? If you have a little chime at home, a little bell at home, then after maybe today to get a little bit more of an understanding what wings mean and what angels mean, maybe you start ringing the bell doing encourage yourself to grow. So on one hand, when we look at angel, the very most common interpretation of angel is messenger, right? An angel is a messenger sent by God, God messenger. And that's still outside of ourselves. So in the story, it's still Gabriel, who's outside of Mary, appearing to her, and so on. So then Gabriel specifically 
And this is from the Revealing Word and the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, which is two works that Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity, wrote to interpret some of these characters. And one of them, Gabriel, refers to the masculine or wisdom phase of the divine in man. That's a direct quote. Remember, that's about 100 years old when that was written. So on one hand, we have angel, which is the messenger. It also means our spiritual faculties. And those of you, uh, of you who study unity know this is referring to the 12 powers. But specific to all those 12 powers, Gabriel represents the power of wisdom. And then wings symbolize freedom from material limitations. So what does angel Gabriel represent? It's a messenger from God, represents a spiritual idea, a faculty, a power that we have, and that's very representative of wisdom, which is, by the way, the same that Joseph, Mary's husband, represents. And this is important because Mary represents the feminine, the soul, the affectional, the emotional, divine motherhood of love and intuition. So here we have wisdom appearing to the motherhood of love. Wisdom comes in with love. And they talk about Jesus Christ. So you start to see where this goes. We must have both wisdom and love in order to realize Christ. We must be both Mary and Gabriel or Joseph in order to realize our divinity. We cannot just use our mind to force our divinity into existence. We have to bring in the heart also. We can also not just use the heart to force into expression our divinity. We have to use our mind, our wisdom also. So then we can say Mary and Gabriel, love and wisdom means Christ realization, means that's how we realize Christ. We can say Mary and Joseph means Christ realization. We can say intuition, heart, and wisdom, mind, means divine realization. They all belong together. Ultimately, that story refers to that birth of Christ, immaculate and accessible, refers to that we must learn to harmonize our hearts and minds to free ourselves from the material limitations to realize the truth of who and what we are. Now we have everything. We have Gabriel, we have Mary, we have angel, we have the wings. And that is the symbolism of the story. And that's all there is to it. See, the, the virgin birth is a story that's been used hundreds and thousands of years before the gospel was written. Many um, gods have been known to come from either a god who had a virgin birth or a human being who was visited by a god and all that. The story of a virgin birth is not something new. 
It was more likely picked up to give us an understanding of what it means, how precious this story is, what it means to be innocent in entering into this entire cycle of becoming more holy. So this week's focus then is hope and faith, which are two sides of the coin. And I have lots more slides prepared, but I'm going to close in just a minute by <laughs> skipping through some of those slides, but they are on, a, on our sermon notes. And I'm just jumping right back to what we're focusing on with hope. There's a difference between hope and faith that many of us don't understand and realize. But in essence, we can say we hope for what we desire, which in this particular case will be Christ in you, the hope of glory, to develop the faith, which is conviction, that we are already that. So what Chris was saying as he was lighting the candle, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you read the entire passage, you actually see Paul, it's the Apostle Paul who wrote this, he's talking about the mystery that we all get to experience. And he's telling us that that mystery is Christ. But do you notice that he is saying, that's word by word, Christ in you, not outside of you. It's Christ in all of us. That is the hope of glory. And we always start with hope. Hope is trust in something that we want to achieve that's not here yet. Paul writes in another passage where if we would see the things we hope for, hope doesn't make any sense because we already have it. So everything you write down on your card, on your ornament card, and you put on the tree. That is your starting point. But we get to develop it into faith, where we start with hope, and then we trust more, and we trust more, and we trust more. And then eventually, it's no longer hope, but it has become the conviction. And I hope for all of us that we eventually will have that conviction that what we talk about every Sunday, that we already are what we seek to be, that we are this perfect expression of divinity or God or whatever we want to call it, that that is a reality that exists right now. So in summary then, we are entering a time of preparation, Advent. We hope and faith in birthing the Christ within us we balance our hearts and minds to reclaim our angel's wings. Remember? Okay, just use a little bell. Allowing us to be free from limitations and to become the divine expression we already are. That is what we are about to embark into. Not only for the Christmas season, but all the way through Easter and beyond. And that is the story with which I leave you here today before we move into our meditation.
And now let us take that time to meditate on that. So give yourself the space, the time, the energy to come to peace. Take a moment of rest and prepare. Allow for a moment the possibility to arise that you are, we all are, Christ, an idea of perfection, God. And we're moving into this week, developing our hope and faith, to allow that to emerge even more. We prepare ourselves for something new, a birth of some kind, an evolution of our consciousness, our spirituality, our goodness. We prepare ourselves to formalize what we hope for. To become clear on what our ideas and our desires are. And to move toward it and start developing that consciousness, that faith, that conviction that that is already true. We are Christ, that Christ is in us, that divinity is available to us at all times, and therefore, we are also the hope of glory.
So whenever we believe that there's something outside of us that we need to make our lives better, we can remember that we are the hope of glory. And maybe what we need, we already have. So as we move out of this Thanksgiving season, this important foundation of gratitude, we develop the hope and faith that we can do more, we can be more. We can allow ourselves to shine more. We lift ourselves out of darkness into the light. We help each other to find their own. And we imagine a world that realizes the same, regardless of the path they follow, regardless of the beliefs they have. That is not ours to judge or to choose for them. But we can be the light a demonstration. We become the story just as it's written in the gospel. We walk our own ministry and we walk among this earth with each other to bring heaven on earth all the time. So let us give then thanks to the fact that we are here, whether we're here in person or online, the fact that we take this time in meditation and contemplation. We're grateful for this community and what it represents, what it allows us to do. And we're grateful for ourselves of taking to heart and mind to spread those wings of freedom, freedom from limitation, from bondage, to become the I am that I am. And in that gratitude, we rest in peace as we move into preparation for this season, for this birth, for this unity. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.